guys. It was so much fun to watch y'all sing those songs. I really loved seeing the parents with the children making them dance. I hope you kids are really embarrassed because it was so fun to see that. My name is Marion Brown. I'm so glad that you are here. Just as a reminder, Chapel Roswell is a modern expression of a historic faith. And to that end, we have been using a wonderful Christmas classic movie of Christmas Vacation to walk us through the Advent journey because that makes sense. Welcome to Chapel Roswell's Christmas Staycation. And in case you haven't been live or listening every week, you can always go back and check out previous messages from the Advent season on demand or also the podcast. As a recap, our first Sunday of Advent, we called it Squirrel because we're all kind of one step away from that squirrel moment in this year of 2020, and we all need a little bit of extra hope. Our second week, we called it the gift that keeps on giving. And that week, we got to meet John the baptizer and remember the abundance of forgiveness and grace that God offers us. And then last week, the third Sunday of Advent, we called it Joy to the World so that we could sing and remember a life of joy and hope that is offered. And then today, our fourth Sunday of Advent, we're calling this message, are you serious, Clark? (laughs) Because today, thank you for the laughter, today... We get to read the most unbelievable story of all. It's a Christmas story. And this story comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. And while I read it, you can actually read along with me on the screens. In the sixth month of angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, but how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This really is one of the most unbelievable stories. And there's so many parts of it that are unbelievable. And what is so unbelievable is the way that we Christians hear it. We're like, oh yeah, that's the Christmas story. 
We don't even pause to think about how unbelievable it truly is. And when I think about all of the different parts, I don't even know which part we should focus on the most. I mean, it's pretty unexplainable how all of a sudden a woman, a young woman, will have a baby. It's also pretty unbelievable that someone showed up and actually told a mother what to name her baby, because that's bold. It's also pretty unbelievable to me that someone told Mary to calm down, and she did. Because <laughs> in my family, if you tell me to calm down, I am not going to. I'm going to probably do the exact opposite. Don't tell me to calm down. <laughs> but she did. And why is there an angel with a name? And why is there even an angel at all in this story? It's unbelievable. Because people don't always talk about angels. The way we talk about them is, do you believe in an angel? Yes or no? Yes? Okay, we're going to move on. No? Okay, we move on. That's pretty much all we say about angels, if you believe in them or not. And there's a lot of mystery and a lot of fear around angels. And to be fair, in the purest form of the Jewish tradition, the purest form, there are no angels. We actually got angels from our Persian neighbors. It was from the Persian belief and that community's belief in angels that angels and demons were actually assimilated into the Jewish and consequently the Christian faith. And angels in our scripture are used as messengers, messengers of God. And they always have a very big assignment to do. Angels always show up to a particular place to a particular time, and to a particular person. And they are all over Scripture. In the Old Testament, Genesis 16, an angel shows up to a woman named Hagar and tells her she's going to have a son, and the son's name is Ishmael. Genesis 17, Genesis 18, an angel shows up again to a woman named Sarah and says, you too are going to have a baby boy, and his name will be Isaac. Judges, another angel shows up, tells a woman, stop drinking wine, stop eating things that are unclean, because you too are going to have a baby. And guess what his name was? Samson, Samson. And then the angel Michael, he shows up in the book of Daniel. The angel Raphael, he shows up in one of our apocryphal books named the Tobit. And our Catholic and Episcopalian friends, in late September, they actually have a huge feast day where they celebrate all of our named and archangels of Scripture. But the most famous angel of all, Gabriel. Because Gabriel got to deliver not one birth announcement, but two. Right before the story we read in Luke, Gabriel appears to a man named Zachariah. And he told Zachariah that he was going to have a son. And Zachariah was like, no, I'm not. Didn't believe him. And so the Gabriel, the angel, actually said, you get to be mute. And so Zechariah could not say a word until the son was born. 
A little bit later, lesson is don't, don't mess with the angel. The second time Gabriel comes and he finds Mary and he says, you have found favor with God. You are going to bear a son. And all Mary does is say, how can this be? And she continues to have this beautiful conversation with an angel. How can this be? That is a question that I think all of us can understand because we've probably all asked that at some point in our lives. How can this be? But instead of resting in that question, Mary just quickly says, I am your servant and accepts that responsibility and then gets excited because her cousin Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And she gets so excited that she travels to be with Elizabeth. And right there in one moment, through the literary and theological brilliance of the gospel writer Luke, there is a link, there is a connection made between John the baptizer and Jesus the Savior. And that's the link. That's the miracle. That's the message. That's the unbelievable part. That's the miracle we've all been waiting for, is a link to the birth of Christ. And that birth of Christ, we know, happened under a star. I mention the star because of what's supposed to happen tomorrow night. I am not a scientist. I am not an astronomer. So I'm not going to try to bog you down with the details. If you want more details, you could completely Google Star of Bethlehem 2020 and learn more. I'm going to give you a little bit of the overview of what's supposed to happen. But according to my understanding, tomorrow night, the planets, Jupiter and Saturn, are going to be so close to one another that we're actually going to get to see it for a moment. The great conjunction. And when this happens, we can actually see it happen. Supposedly, we have not been able to see this amazing thing, this most fascinating, most unbelievable thing in the sky since the year 1226. And 1226, it's 2020. 1226 was the last time this happened. And whenever these planets come together and we can see it, they supposedly create an elongated star. Some people are saying that this elongated star, this amazing thing in the sky, is the exact thing that may have happened right around the time that Jesus was born. And because of it, they're calling it the Christmas star, the Bethlehem star. And there are even some people who have decided to commit themselves tomorrow night right after sunset and just sit and stare at the sky and wait for their own miracle. Now, was Mary standing under the sky staring at the stars when she received her message? I don't know. Was Mary just taking maybe a walk one morning or doing her own thing during the day when she got her message, her miracle? I don't know. But I do know that Mary probably had plans for her life. 
I know that Mary had things to do. She had her life planned out. She had a little bit of a control going on. And all of a sudden, something happened. And a miracle, a message came to her. And her whole life was interrupted. I know that you probably have plans. I know that you probably have under everything under control. And you've got something that you're working toward. I know that your life is probably never interrupted. But it's kind of the stuff we're waiting for, isn't it? The real Christmas story, the real Christmas message, the real Christmas star is one of interruption. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in all those details exactly of the story. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in the exact details of an angel. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you believe that your life can be interrupted and changed by one Christ child. Because once that happens, everything has a, do, has a different life. It has a different perspective. And you see things in a new way. God is a God of interruption, and God is a God that interrupts through one beautiful Christ child, the Savior. So what is your interruption? It could be that God is asking you to completely interrupt your life with a child. I know a few of our families here at Chapel Roswell are expecting It could be that God is asking you to interrupt your life through taking care of a foster child. Or maybe you're being pulled to interrupt your life with becoming an adoptive parent. After all, the Christmas story is kind of like the perfect adoption story. A wonderful adoptive dad. It could be that it might not be a physical baby that is your interruption. It could be some new life, new opportunity, or new person. Or it could just be a new way to look at the stars. It could be a new way to look at your morning. It could be something that you're not even expecting. And it could come from someone that you least expect. I want to read to you a quick story. You may think it's unbelievable. It's actually a devotion that's come from a blog called Cancer Crusade. And to be fair, I've taken the liberty to edit it just a bit for time. The lowest point of my cancer experience came about halfway through my year of treatments. I woke up one morning believing I would die that day and actually taking some relief from that thought. It would be okay because I couldn't imagine feeling this sick any longer. So I was taken to the oncology clinic. The doctor ordered several medications. I was placed on a bed in a private room and a nurse started the IVs. She told me she would be back to check on me, and then she left the room. Alone on the bed in that room, waiting for the drugs to drip slowly, I surrendered. 
I told God that I was just too tired and I was just too sick to fight anymore. I prayed that all who cared about me would be comforted. But later, another nurse came into the room and she smiled down at me and she checked the IV drip and she arranged the covers around me. Hi, she said cheerily. I'm Susan. Heard you're having a rough day. I think I'm going to not make it. Susan pulled a chair next to the bed and she sat down. She took my hand in hers and she began to gently stroke my arm with her other hand. And several times she reached up and she stroked my bald head. I was hot and I remember her hands were so cold and cool and comforting. You're not going to die today. Well, how do you know? Because you have a lot of work to do. And right now, the only thing you need to do is rest. Susan told me about a lullaby that she sang for her children. And she asked if I would like to hear it, and I nodded. And Susan began to sing in the sweetest voice I've ever heard. The melody was simple, and the words were about peace and healing and wholeness. It was an odd lullaby, but it made me safe, and I fell sound asleep. I awoke up off and, during, off and on during the rest of that long day, and every time I opened my eyes, Susan was sitting right there, stroking my arm, smiling, and singing her lullaby. And when I awoke, late in the afternoon, she was gone. I felt energized and strong as if I had just had the best night's sleep of my life. I was pulling myself up as the nurse who started the IV came into the room. Well, you look like you're feeling better. Well, I feel great, I said. I feel 100% better. Well, then let's see about getting you up and out of here. And as the nurse helped me dress, I told her I wanted to find Susan before I left. I can't believe she stayed with me all day. I know she must have had other patients to take care of, but she... And then my voice trailed off as I saw the puzzled look on the nurse's face. There's no one here named Susan, she said. I'm the only one who's been in here today. It's been very busy, but don't worry, I've checked on you several times. I started to say more about Susan to insist that she had been there and she had stayed with me all day. But then I noticed the white pants and sneakers the nurse was wearing and the practical yet very colorful smock. And it began to dawn on me, Susan had been wearing a starched white dress and cap, the kind that nurses wore many years ago. Her hair had been styled in a way that was decades out of fashion, too, as I think about it. I didn't say anything else about Susan. Today, I have no doubt that Susan was an angel, but it took me many months to accept this and several years before I could talk about it openly. And if you're like most people, you probably think I fell asleep and dreamed, Susan, that I was delusional or experienced a hallucination, but that does not matter to me. Whether you believe me or not, is not important. What matters is that Susan came to me in a way that 
I could understand, and it changed my life. During my darkest hour, her song, her words, they healed me, and I have new life. People of Advent, these weeks have not been about waiting for December 24th or December 25th. They've been about preparing your heart to receive a miracle and to receive a message that will change your life. So be interrupted. Amen. I'm going to invite our band to come back. These weeks of Advent, we have spent in a time of hope, in a time of peace, in a time of joy. And so we, like every Christmas season on the fourth Sunday, we will light our Christ candle. Because we know Christ will interrupt the darkness and bring us light. We aren't able to pass out candles this year to everybody. Because then you might blow them off and there are problems. And so what we're going to do is we're going to light our one Christ candle here. And when we do, together, we'll sing Silent Night.
Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, you are present in this moment with us, we know. And already as we stand and sit around this candle, we know that your light is already burning and shining in us. So may we know how to shine it and show it to everyone else around us. Lord, meet us in our needs wherever we may be. Be in our minds and be with all of the people as those faces and names are circulating through our minds and our hearts. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and all those that we love. And Lord, bless and pour out your Spirit on the many that we don't even know, but that are calling out to you. And for every unwed mother, for every unwed father, and for every child that is born, may your blessing be with them. And may they know your grace in a way that lets them know their value and their worth. And use every child as you used your own to make a difference for your people. Amen.